This is Cross Hope with Randy Snyder. Cross Hope is broadcast daily and shares five minutes of hope and encouragement from the Word of God. Our companion website is www.crosshope.org. Now with today's uplifting message, here's Randy. Recently I saw one of those quizzes in a magazine. You've all seen them where you find out if you're a certain personality type, if you're bent in this direction. And here was the quiz, and I'd never seen one like this before, how to tell if you are a self-centered man or a self-centered woman. Never saw one like that. How to tell if you're a self-centered person. The author was a psychologist who used humor and then also some very serious points that we live in a self-absorbed generation, that most people are self-centered was his conclusion. Most men in our culture are self-centered. Most women, most teenagers are self-centered. And that's the nature of our culture. Some of the humorous ones that he gave were this. Uh, You know you're self-centered is if you look at a group picture and everyone's eyes in the picture can be crossed, closed. They can have spinach in their teeth. But if the picture's good of you, you say, this is a great photograph. This is a great photograph. Why? Because we're focused on us, and part of that's natural and normal. And so he does say that tongue-in-cheek. One of his comments was this, that self-centered people, he used a term that I've actually used before in another context, he said they're one-dimensional people. If you've never heard that term, a one-dimensional man or one-dimensional woman thinks about everything in the universe and how it applies to them. Never mind people in nursing homes, never mind people in hospitals or whatever. What does this situation do for me? It's all about me. He said, you know you're a self-centered person when you are highly critical of everybody else around you. You know you're a self-centered man or a self-centered woman when you are highly critical of everyone else around you except yourself. And we make editorial comments about this person in the family, this person at work, or this person in the body of Christ. And we don't hesitate to say what James, the book of James, refers to as slander. You may have always thought that slander was under the legal definition, which a lot of, obviously in court it's used, the the defamation of someone's character that's done verbally. But today, you're going to go home with the biblical definition of slander. Do you want to know what the biblical definition of slander is? You can write it down. It is speech that injures. The biblical definition of slander is speech that injures. Listen carefully. There are husbands who have injured their wives in the last week in this way. There are wives who have injured their husbands in this way this week. There are parents who have injured children this way, and there are children who have injured parents. So today we're going to talk about a subject, a new look at slander. It's not just a legal term or a legal problem. It is a spiritual problem, according to the book of James. And what we're going to do is look at The scripture in James 4, exactly where we left off, including the last verse I read last week. We're in James 4, beginning at verse 10. This is the verse I left off with last week. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. Listen to that again. 
Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. Brothers, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against his brother or judges him speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you are not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. There is only one lawgiver and judge. Whenever you use the term slander, people immediately think, well, that's the spreading of lies. I've always thought that. But a new look at slander today will define it in this way, that sometimes slander cannot be just spreading lies, it can be spreading the truth. The Bible says this, to speak the truth in love, and I think it's possible to do that with people. It is possible to speak the truth in love. But more often than not, people speak the truth with the intent to hurt. People speak the truth with the intent of getting even. People speak the truth with the intent to wound or to get revenge. And so that's part of slander. It's not just spreading a lie, it's spreading the truth. I found a great illustration of how saying the truth can be done to slander a person, just to say the truth. I don't know what ships do now in terms of ships on the sea, whether they be uh, cruise ships, merchant ships, or Navy ships, but it used to be that ships would have what's called the ship's log. And every day, in the, at least in the old days of, of shipping and the shipping industry, the captain or one of the first officers would write down their location, They would write down the weather conditions, the sea conditions, anything unusual that happened on the ship that day. And that log was kept so that the owners of the ship could look at those logs later and keep a record of what was happening. Well, one author tells the story about one particular ship where the first mate, second in command of this particular ship, got into the liquor cabinet and he got drunk. And when the ship's captain that day wrote down what happened that day, he made a note, said, first mate, drunk today. And when the first mate saw that, he said, you're going to ruin my career. I mean, when the owners see that, I'll probably lose my job. And the captain said, hey, it's the truth. That's what happened today. It's in the log. Three or four days went by, and it was the first mate's turn to keep the log of the day he was on duty, and he wrote down the ship's location, he wrote down the weather, the sea conditions, and then he wrote this note, the captain was sober today. He said the truth, but the purpose of his statement was to wound, to get even. Sometimes we say the truth with the intent of hurting, and here's the question I want to ask you. Has there ever been a time in your life when you sought to injure somebody by telling the truth. And in your spirit, you knew this is going to get him. This is going to get her. I'm going to get even with her. I'm going to share the truth, not in love, but sometimes people share or speak the truth in hatred. Be careful when you find yourself speaking the truth 
in hatred or in hostility or anger. Let's bring up verse 10 again. It's the last verse I read last week and the first verse I read today, but it says, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. I'm convinced, I didn't say this last week, but anything positive in your life spiritually comes out of humility. Anything that's positive in your life spiritually cannot be traced back to pride. It has to be traced back to humility. Anything positive in your marriage spiritually is connected with humility. When a husband or wife humbled themselves before the Lord or humbled themselves before the other, Do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against his brother or judges him speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you are not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. I want to make this very clear. This is not a message that says we're not to be discerning. This is not a message even about tolerance. You know, we just need to tolerate everything in our culture. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a specific issue that's specifically dealt with by James when he says in that verse 11, do not slander one another. Do not use speech that injures against one another. For when you do, you speak against your brother or sister, you judge them, and you are actually not keeping the law, you're judging the law. You're sitting in judgment on it. And I was wondering, what does that mean? that I'm sitting in judgment of the law, and then it dawned on me. Some people claim a higher authority than the law itself. That's what it means to sit in judgment on the law when I decide what you have done. I'm going to speak against that. I've made the decision. I've elevated myself in authority above the law in a sense. I think that's what it means to place myself, to have such pride and arrogance that I place my judgment and my wisdom, so to speak, above that of even the law. And that's exactly, I believe, the issue that James is dealing with. When's the last time you spoke the truth, not with the intent of blessing, not with the intent of loving, but hurting? Let's bring up a passage from Psalm 101, verse 5. This is from Psalm 101. It goes like this. Whoever slanders his neighbor in secret, him will I put to silence. Whoever has haughty eyes and a proud heart, him I will not endure. God is speaking and said, whoever slanders his neighbor in secret, I will put to silence. There's an interesting thought here, just as an aside. Is it possible to slander somebody secretly? Sure it is. Listen carefully. You can slander somebody in your thought life, and God knows it. You can slander somebody privately tonight before you go to sleep, and God knows it. Did you know that in the Gospel of Luke, it talks about Jesus with people, and it says, Jesus knew their thoughts. Early in my ministry, when I was a young minister, there was an elder at a church that I knew of, that for some reason was almost obsessive-compulsive over the issue of divorce. You would think the only sin there was in the world was divorce. 
anybody would come up in conversation, he would kind of lean over and say, well, you know he's divorced. It had nothing to do with the conversation. Well, you know she's divorced. had nothing to do with what you were talking about. But let me tell you what happened. It all changed one day. It all stopped one day. He was put to silence, and some of you are ahead of me. You know what happened. His own grown daughter came to him one day and said, Dad, I'm getting a divorce. You know what? I never heard him criticize another person because they were divorced. Never heard him slam another person because of that. Why? In a sense, I'm not saying the Lord caused it to happen this way, but he was put to silence. He was so used to using speech that injures and slandering other people on the matter of divorce. And all of a sudden, something happened in his own circle that he was not as critical. Now then, today, part four of the message on slander from James 4. One commentator said that he thought this was one of the most important passages in the book of James for this simple reason. We all slander people, but we just don't call it that. We call it telling the truth. We call it just sharing the word on somebody. And yet, in point of fact, according to the Lord himself, it is slander, not just gossip, but slander, speech that injures. Let's continue with part four of this message from James, the fourth chapter, beginning at verse 11. Some of you grew up in a Catholic background and remember St. Francis of Assisi. He wrote one of the most beautiful prayers I've ever heard in my life. We have it framed at the house. It means a lot to me to read this. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, let me sow pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy. O Divine Master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love, for it is in giving that we receive, it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. What's interesting about anger is that how is it that what motivates slander, our anger? Why do we use speech that injures? Because we're angry. We're not in control of the situation. People aren't doing what we tell them to do. People aren't jumping when we say jump, and we get angry. And slander oftentimes, more often than not, is the result of the anger in your life, in my life. That James 1.20 says, man's anger does not produce or bring about the righteous life that God desires. Let's bring up a scripture from Proverbs that you've never heard, perhaps. The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Proverbs 18.21, the tongue has the power of life and death. What does that mean? Does it mean that we kill people with our words? No, not literally. But I've known people who've killed a relationship with their words, and you have too. And you do know people, and maybe you've done it. You killed a friendship with something you said, and that person has never spoken to you again. You killed a relationship at work, and that person has never had anything to do with you other than work-related issues because 
The tongue has power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. They will reap what they sow, is what that means. The fourth chapter of James reads so powerfully in what's called the message translation of the New Testament. Remember, the message translation is really a paraphrase. It's not a word-for-word translation. Please note that. But I love the way it reads. It goes like this. Get down on your knees before the master. It's the only way you'll get on your feet. Don't badmouth each other, friends. It's God's word, his message, his royal rule that takes a beating and that kind of talk. You're supposed to be honoring the message, not writing graffiti all over it. God is in charge of deciding human destiny. Who do you think you are to meddle in the destiny of others? Well, this message will conclude tomorrow on Crossope. I hope you know that our website is crossope.org. That's one word, crossope.org. Well, all this week on Crossope, a message from James, the fourth chapter on the subject of slander. Remember, the spiritual definition of slander is speech that injures. That means husbands and wives have slandered one another. It means parents have slandered children, and children have perhaps slandered their parents. Let's continue with the conclusion of this message from James 4. William Barclay tells the story of a man who lived in a village of two or three hundred homes. He went to the local priest to confess his sin, and here's his sin that people can relate to in this room. I can relate to it. This man confessed to the priest that he said something that was slanderous about a neighbor that he only to find out later that it wasn't true. Don't raise your hands, but have any of you ever done that? I have. Where you repeated some gossip you heard only to find out you got the wrong name. Somebody else. You talk about embarrassing when you have to go to somebody and say, will you forgive me for saying something about you that wasn't true? Maybe somebody can relate to that here. Maybe somebody needs to do that. On the way home, you take your cell phone and call somebody. That could happen. Confesses to the priest, this is what I've done. The priest gives him an interesting assignment for penance. He said, I want you to take a sack of feathers. I want you to take a sack of feathers and go to every home in our village and lay a feather at the doorstep. Go to the next house, lay a feather. The next day he came back to the church and told the priest what he'd done. And he said, okay, now your assignment is this. I want you to go back and collect all the feathers. I want you to go back and collect all the feathers. Well, you know what happened. They were gone. All of them were gone. The priest made the point that this is what we do when we slander people. Oftentimes we say things and we can't take our words back. The Bible says our words are like releasing a bow, an arrow from a bow, and you can't retrieve the arrow once it's been loosed. Once you let go of the bow, it's gone. Once you fire the pistol, the slug is gone. Once you fire the shotgun, that's gone. You can't retrieve that which has been expelled from that gun. And so it is our words have power, the power of life and death. 
I don't know about your definition of slander, but maybe you never heard of the definition that we gave today. Slander is speech that injures. Have you injured anyone this week with your speech? Ask God to forgive you. Ask God to cleanse you. And you know what he will do? He will. He will. I believe that with all my heart. Well, years ago when I gave this message, someone came out of the service I'd never seen before. I think it was a visitor who said, your message today on slander is a game changer in my marriage. I never knew what he meant. I didn't know if that was a good thing, a negative thing, positive or negative. I just had no idea. He said it was a game changer. Is it possible this message could be a game changer for you and for your marriage, for your family, where you work? your extended family, a game changer in the way you talk to people and the way you talk about people. I trust that you're doing well in this crisis that we're going through in our country and have been going through for a number of weeks. Praying for you. Hope you're praying for us as we continue to minister and labor on in this environment that's new and a new direction for all of us. God bless you. God bless your family. Our website, of course, is crossoak.org. That's one word, crossoak.org. God bless you. You've been listening to Cross Hope with Randy Snyder. For more information about this ministry or to re-listen to any message heard on this broadcast, go to our website at crosshope.org. Be sure to join us at this same time each weekday or listen at www.crosshope.org. Cross Hope is listener supported and is produced by Cross Hope Ministries Incorporated.